It's the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, August 28th. I'm Donald Ware. Listen, we're going to take a little bit of a break from previewing the teams. We still have a couple of teams to preview. We got a couple of teams to preview in the SIAC. We still have Lincoln of Pennsylvania to preview. We still have Allen and Virginia University of Lynchburg to preview as well. So we'll get with those or to those previews in the next couple of days. Um, on today's podcast, it is Takeaway Tuesday. And yes, the HBCU football season has already begun and it's gotten off to a bang, as a matter of fact. Now, three HBCUs were in action. A&T took on Jacksonville State in Montgomery in the FCS kickoff. Prairie View A&M took on Rice. They were at Rice. And then Edward Waters hosted St. Andrews. And this was a weekend where HBCUs went one and two. HBCUs went one and two this weekend. But it was actually all in all a pretty good weekend. I know we've talked about this and especially opening weekends for a lot of HBCUs, particularly the FCS programs, because a lot of times they're going to play those FBS programs. They're money games. They'll get the money. They usually get beat up pretty good. But that wasn't the case for Prairie View A&M this time around as they took on Rice. I mean, those two teams um, essentially in the same area. And Prairie View A&M had a 28-26 lead in the fourth quarter. They had come back from a 16 to nothing deficit and had pulled, uh, as a matter of fact, taking a two-point lead, then a safety for Rice. And then ultimately on the last play of the game, Rice kicks a field goal to win the game. You know, I, I, I there's no such thing as a moral victory. But, I mean, if you're Prairie View A&M, um, Coach Dooley in his first season as the head football coach there, you're playing against Rice, an FBS opponent. Um, to put yourself in a position to have a chance to win, a lot of times what will happen to those schools, the smaller school will get down early, and then that will be the ball game. But Prairie View A&M really, really fought back in this game. I didn't have a chance to see the game, but if I look at the numbers, Jalen Morton, the quarterback, completed 16 of 29 passes, or 16 of 28 passes, actually, for 244 yards, three touchdowns, did not throw a single interception, and Prairie View A&M was able to run the ball reasonably effectively, 140 yards rushing. Um, Dewanya. Tucker had 73 of those yards on 10 carries, and uh, Morton also had 53 yards. So Morton had a really good game, close to 300 yards of total offense. It was a situation where, again, in looking at the numbers, where Prairie View A&M could not stop the run of Rice, and the run of Rice really killed Prairie View A&M. But to be able to be in that football game that late is pretty good. And then... Um, a, a young man that stood out, Tristan Wallace, five receptions, 147 yards, one touchdown. If you remember, when we ranked the top HBCU football recruiting classes, top FCS recruiting classes in HBCU football back in February, um, we had Prairie View A&M tied for the number two spot. And the reason was, part of the reason was because of this kid, Tristan Wallace, formerly had gone to it was Oregon or Oregon State, one of the two transferred into Prairie View A&M and look at the monster game that he had. Prairie View A&M, I'm going to tell you what, Prairie View A&M is going to be a problem in the SWAC and more specifically in the Western Division where 
Grambling has dominated the last uh, four years, and Southern has been right there. And then Prairie View A&M has been that third team, just has not been able to get over the hump. But I think this year they're going to be a problem, particularly now under Dooley, who's getting his opportunity to be a head coach after being a coordinator for so many years. So, listen, if I look at Prairie View A&M, uh, no moral victories, but I think if you, you know, if you only fall in the game thirty-one to twenty-eight to an FBS opponent, um, and you get a paycheck out of it, I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed about that. Um, North Carolina A&T, huge win over Jacksonville State. I want to talk uh, about this, and I had a chance to write about this on BoxToRow.com. I invite you to read the article, which is titled or the commentary more specifically titled Aggies make the case as a perennial FCS power because coming into this game, all of the talk was about Jacksonville state and how good Jacksonville state had been in the FCS and rightfully so. I mean, you're talking about a program in the last uh, four years has gone 32 and O in OVC play 32 and O in OVC play has played some FBS opponents tough. As a matter of fact, last year um, or maybe a couple of years ago, played Auburn tough. Uh, lost to Georgia Tech last year, 31-10. to 10. Um, You go back three or four years, played in the FCS National Championship game. So, yes, they have been a perennial power. And, and also, by the way, uh, the last five seasons, 10 or more wins in the last five seasons. So, I mean, that's nothing to, to sneeze about. But – A&T coming into Montgomery where Jacksonville State is about two, less than two and a half hours from Montgomery. So essentially it was a home game for Jacksonville State. And I had to be, I happened, I had a chance to be at this football game and a lot of Aggies made the trip. A lot of Aggies made the trip from Greensboro. A lot of Aggies made the trip from Atlanta, Birmingham, a lot of the surrounding areas. When you talk about teams that travel, um, not many more teams. I mean, there's a lot of teams in HBCU football that travel well, and A&T is one of those teams. Um, but for A&T to be, to be able to get that 20-17 to 17 victory on a game that was televised on ESPN to a national audience, and, and listen, A&T is no stranger to nationally televised games. You go back to the Celebration Bowl, which was on ABC, where they defeated Grambling, 21 to 14 to complete the perfect season. You go back 2015, the first celebration bowl where they defeated Alcorn state. That game was on ABC. Um, you go back to the 2016 season. There were six games on for a and on a combination of ESPN, U and ESPN two, or really ESPN, U mostly. Um, but if you look at the big boy, Channels meaning ESPN and ABC. In the last couple of years, A&T is 4-0. So that's number one. A&T has got a lot of exposure and that brand is growing. And when they continue to win, and especially football games like this, where, uh, again, this was the featured game on ESPN, it was a big-time win. Um, we think a lot about A&T as a not a, a perennial power in HBCU football. And, and I say perennial. I mean, really, I would say the last, um, going back to the 2014 season when they shared uh, the MEAC title with five other uh, schools, by the way. But, you know, you look at the last five or six years, 
Uh, A&T has been right there. Uh, but this is the thing. A&T has been building to this or for this for quite some time now. You go back to the 2011 season when Rod Broadway took over a program that was absolutely in shambles. And he had a, 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 a 30 scholarship equivalency in essence when the maximum scholarships at the FCS level is 63. He had 30. Um, went five and six that season. And as a matter, no spring practice. And as a matter of fact, um, had a chance. I mean, truly had a chance to win the last four ball games, which were on the road on the last play of the game. That's not hyperbole. That's the truth. And to be able to do that and then, uh, in matter of fact, that year they got their brains beat in by Appalachian State, who is a perennial or was a perennial power in FCS 58 to six. Do you know two years later they beat App State as App State was making that transition from FCS to FBS, so they collected the check and the win. Go back to the 2016 season when A&T beat Kent State at Kent State. Go back to last season when A&T beat Charlotte at Charlotte. Those are FBS wins. So um, to to beat a perennial power in FCS, no, I mean, you know, at this point, that's no big deal. That's an expectation now for North Carolina A&T. And what a ball game it was. Um, and, and I'll say this. I'll, I'll throw, let me throw some numbers out to you. Jacksonville State had 403 yards of total offense. A&T had about 158 yards of total offense. And listen to what I'm about to say to you. North Carolina A&T dominated this football game. Yes, the score said they only won by three points, 20 to 17. Yes, they out got outscored more than three to one in terms of total offensive yards. But the counterbalance to the 403 yards of total offense that Jacksonville State had, A&T forced four turnovers in the ballgame. A&T uh, held Jacksonville State to just 80 yards on the ground, and A&T held Jacksonville State to just one of 11 on third downs. That counterbalances the 403 yards of total offense that Jacksonville State had. Um, uh, even though A&T maybe numbers-wise wasn't as effective in terms of running the football, um, you look at Marquell Cartwright, um, he averaged about 2.3 yards per carry, but they had to run the football to be able to keep Jacksonville State's defense honest. That Jacksonville State front line, defensive front line, absolutely tremendous. Yet, A&T um, was able to run the football just enough to be able to set up the pass, but that defense for A&T was so big. A&T uh, led at halftime. I don't have it right in front of me. It was maybe 10 to 3 or something like that. And then the third quarter just got blown wide open. There's maybe it was, it was 10 to 7. And then the third quarter just got blown wide open to the tune that Jacksonville State ended up taking a 14 to 10 lead. And then you have Malik Wilson on the ensuing kickoff coming back and taking it 98 yards for a touchdown. Went back and forth. A&T uh, got a, a, a four-yard touchdown pass late in the third quarter to Elijah Bell, who was pretty much held in check, um, except for that particular touchdown 
reception that put A&T ahead 20-17. Then, you look at Jacksonville State's last six possessions. Here are the last six possessions for Jacksonville State. Missed field goal, punt, punt, blocked field goal, uh, turnover, and then a strip sack by Daryl Johnson with about 17 seconds remaining in the game that sealed and, and A&T recovered. It sealed the victory for A&T. So A&T, you know, you have to look at them now and make a case that they are at least becoming a perennial power in all of FCS. So it's no surprise um, that uh, they were able to defeat Jacksonville State. Doesn't much match, uh, matter much what happens this Saturday against ECU, who is an FBS opponent. They play in that AAC conference. Um, you know, obviously you, you want to have a good showing when you go to ECU, when you go down to Greenville. Uh, for those that don't know, that's in the state of North Carolina as well. Um, but, you know, that's where you want to be. That was a true measuring stick as, as to where the A&T football program is, more so the game against Jacksonville State. And A&T was able to, in fact, get it done. And then lastly, Edward Waters, again, as I mentioned, fell to St. Andrews. Uh, of North Carolina, 15 to 13. St. Andrews was up 15 to nothing at halftime. And Edward Waters scored 13 points in the fourth quarter, including a late score. But you know, I, I don't know much about St. Andrews, know a little bit about Edward Waters. Greg Ruffin, the new head football coach there, came on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast back on June 19th to talk about his program. What I do know about Greg Ruffin is I knew that this would be a game that Edward Waters would be in to the end. Um, you know, I know Coach Ruffin, I know he was going to get his guys ready to play. And again, you know, they fell, but they're trying to do some, they're trying to turn things around at Edward Waters. They've had football for quite some time now, going back to the 2002 season, have switched a couple of conferences, have played games where they can. But now this is with Ruffin, I think, as the head football coach, this is going to be a program um, that I think is going to be reckoned to be reckoned with a new stadium that's forthcoming. He has come in and done some things. Not familiar with all the players, but what I am saying to you is that be on the lookout for Edward Waters, um, and they're going to be. I think they're going to be pretty tough uh, in the conference that they play in, and uh, with Greg Ruffin at the helm, going to be t quite uh, tough for. Uh, a couple of years to come. So that's the HBCU football daily podcast for today. Again, I invite you. I, I, I really uh, tried to break down the A&T situation and uh, more so than I had time to do here. So again, log on to our website at botchtorow.com, botchtorow.com and read that particular piece. I've also ranked my top five players to watch. That is also on botchtorow.com. Got some great stuff. Uh, on the website, so keep it locked in. Have a great day.